I was raised in a family perspective of scarcity. We weren't poor from a resource standpoint, but we were from a perspective standpoint. The prevailing tone was a fear that we weren't living at some higher standard and the shame that came with that, a presiding perspective of scarcity. And he says, what this helped me recognize was the fact that scarcity and abundance share a common core of fear. See, scarcity is the fear that I am not enough and I won't ever be enough. That's really what's under it. That's the root of the whole thing. I will never be enough. I'm not enough, I will never be enough. And I'm guessing others probably notice that. And even when we perceive abundance of resources, that gets twisted by fear too. It sounds like this in our heads. Well, today I have more than I need, but I could lose it. So I need to hold on to it and or get more. Welcome to the Everyday Disciple Podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now, here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. I cannot believe we are already in May. What? How's that possible? I can't even believe it. I feel like this year... Last year was like the slowest year in the world. This year, I think, is flying by faster. Maybe because we're doing twice as much work. Whatever. But here we are, episode 327, and I'm recording this podcast episode today a little earlier than usual as I'm preparing for a long four-day visit from two of my grandkids, Patton, who's four, and he's our oldest, and then Remy, who's just 16 months. They're coming to spend four days with Tina and I, but it's going to be like crazy grandpa duty because Tina's working in the mornings at the bakery. And uh, yeah, so grandpa's going to be up early and lots of diapers and lots of stuff. So, but I'm really excited about it. So I'm getting the podcast done, getting it finished up, edited, and off to the races we go with these kids. Can't wait. Hey, if you're enjoying the show, can I ask you to subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to if you're listening in apple which is like the you know on an iphone or whatever super easy to do but whatever device type you're using or whatever place you listen to it's pretty easy to like it star it whatever you know basically subscribe to that and leave a review that way other people who are looking around for important things or things they might enjoy or trying to find stuff on discipleship and missional living and gospel fluency and all that they will find it based on hey I'm loving this podcast, so please subscribe so you don't miss an episode, and leave us a review, lots of stars, whatever you know, whatever you want to do, and if you need to check out looking for a new place to listen to this, if you've been listening to it maybe on our website or whatever, you can go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash subscribe, mm-hmm, forward slash subscribe, and that'll take you to a list of the most popular players, and you can go ahead and check that out. A lot of people are starting to listen on Spotify these days. I also want to invite you to join us over in the Facebook group, okay? Just search us up, Everyday Disciple uh, podcast there on Facebook, or you can go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash Facebook. Join us there. The water's fine. Come on in. Bring your questions. Bring your thoughts, ideas for new episodes. I love that. I want to know what your challenges are, what you're faced with, what you're doing, and maybe we can talk towards that and, and bring some resources your way. How about that? So yeah, head on over to the Facebook group. Join that. 
and uh, let me know your thoughts. I'd love to see you in there, and I'd love to talk to you and chat. That'd be awesome. Well, here we go. We're going to talk today a little bit about scarcity, really more about a scarcity mentality. As the quarantine and social distancing guidelines have turned now from weeks into months, and now even a lot longer than that, a very real sense of scarcity, like a new level of it, has developed. As non-essential businesses were closed down, the loss of income for a lot of people has really, you know, owners and workers has really been affected and it's really affecting them. I mean, it's it's a lot of sad stuff on the news, right? A new deeper scarcity mentality has gripped much of the world. But it's not just money and finances that are affected by having a scarcity mentality. This mindset actually shows up in all kinds of areas of our lives. And as we've all now experienced and are still to some degree experiencing this global pandemic with COVID-19, we're experiencing new feelings of scarcity. There's, there's like a sense of scarcity in our lifestyles right now. It's not only income or food that a lot of people are lacking or fearing they might not have enough. We're missing our pre-pandemic rhythms of life and our lifestyle. And we wonder if things will ever be the same as they were before. I mean, even as Christians, we're missing out on Sunday gatherings, right? At many of your church buildings. And even if they are back open, uh, you're missing up to 65% of the folks that have chosen not to come back. And we're hoping it's yet, but statistics say maybe not. There's a real sense of relational scarcity too, as we've had to severely adjust who we can meet with and how and how we hang out in restaurants and pubs. Maybe they're closed or they've been really changed. And so our, our relational scarcity is really ramped up high. This word scarcity comes from an old medieval Latin word denoting sort of a sense of diminishment or being reduced. In today's language, I guess it seems to boil down to a question of enoughness. That's really scarcity is like, do I have enough? Will I have enough? I also looked up the word abundance and it comes also from a Latin root meaning to move in waves to flow, sort of like the waves of an ocean. Waves, you know, that never stop coming, right? Waves never stop bringing a fresh supply. And I think God and his provision is that way. And we'll talk more about that as we go. All of this is super interesting to me because I know I have suffered from a scarcity mentality throughout my own life. Author Colton Shannon, I was reading, says, most of the time our scarcity mindsets match our childhood and or adolescent traumatic experiences. So maybe we were taught or modeled there wasn't enough to go around financially. And I can remember as a kid, there was never any extra money. If I, if I wanted a quarter or like to, to go to the corner store or a dollar maybe to go, there wasn't. We did never had it. And by the end of the month, seriously, we were down to our last quarter waiting for dad's check. Or maybe there never seemed to be enough attention or belonging, or trust, or hope mm -hmm. in your childhood. And check this out, tragedy, disease, or natural disasters sort of pull back the curtain on the truth that beloved people or things can be taken from us in an instant. We're experiencing this now in profound ways. That was definitely the scarcity mindset that my grandparents and my parents passed on to us. My father was born in 1930 during the Great Depression, and this sort of 
scarcity mindset. It was thick and it was ever present. A state of fear that hung over our family like a thin smoke, always perceivable, always being proven regardless of the current available resources. And, and I can remember when, like years later, obviously, my father retired. Now I've been raised by him and this whole Great Depression mindset, every scratching penny has to be earned and stashed away and put away. I mean, oh, all that. But when my father retired, he had a little bit of money he had saved up from savings and a small inheritance he had received from his mom and dad because they had squirreled away every possible penny because you might, you know, might not have any more. And he told me over and over as he looked to try and manage or invest that little nest egg, he, he kept saying, I don't care if I make any money on this. I just don't want to lose any. I just don't want to lose any. So even though he needed, he needed income for his retirement, he was more concerned with loss. It was this scarcity mentality. There's this quote by Lynn Twist that says, scarcity is like a pair of glasses we do not know we have on, but they interfere with everything we see. Mm-hmm. I can relate. I really can. I recently read a short but really powerful article by author and counselor Dave Anthony, and he said, I think about scarcity less as a measure of available resources and more as a mindset or perspective, a way of seeing. It is for me, he says, more about the lenses we look through rather than just resources available to us. To put it in emotional language, I view scarcity as a manifestation of fear and shame. Hmm. Wow, this is hitting me hard. He goes on to say, I was raised in a family perspective of scarcity. We weren't poor from a resource standpoint, but we were from a perspective standpoint. The prevailing tone was a fear that we weren't living at some higher standard and the shame that came with that, a presiding perspective of scarcity. And he says, what this helped me recognize was the fact that scarcity and abundance share a common core of fear. Mm-hmm. See, scarcity is the fear that I am not enough and I won't ever be enough. That's really what's under it. That's the root of the whole thing. I will never be enough. I'm not enough. I will never be enough. And I'm guessing others probably notice that. And, and even when we perceive abundance of resources, that gets twisted by fear too. It sounds like this in our heads. Well, today I have more than I need, but I could lose it. So I need to hold on to it and or get more. Wow, I can so relate to this. I feel like this guy's been reading my email. A few years back, um, I was having a, a nice drink and an expensive smoke at the Carnegie Club in Midtown Manhattan with my good buddy and oftentimes mentor, Mike Breen. Some of you know of Mike Breen and 3DM Resources. And we were talking about this whole scarcity mentality and how it affects not just our view of money and resources, but it really affects all of life and it affects relationships. I came to see that day for the first time, kind of like a ton of bricks, that my scarcity mindset created a lot of anxiety in relationships with people for me. See, if I perceived someone could either help my career or ministry or hire me or recommend my work, I worried a lot about looking good to them. It wasn't so much like I had a fear of man. I wasn't trying to make them more glorious than God, but I was living with the fear that their perception of me was important because in my scarcity brain, I tied so many relationships to income or provision. 
Yeah. And when God used Mike to help me move from unbelief to belief in this, I was set free from so much of my own personal scarcity mentality, almost on the spot. I had been believing the lie that my provision came from people who I needed to make sure liked and respected me. And that caused great fear and anxiety. I was not believing the truth that my father God is my perfect and constant provision and I don't have to impress him or try to prove myself or earn anything from him. He loves me perfectly and has and will continue to care for me and my family and someday my retirement needs, etc. whatever, right? Freedom. There's freedom in this. And if I'm being honest, it can still creep in at times, but things are really different for me now. Maybe you can relate to any of that. I don't, that was really new to me. I've never really even talked about this with hardly anyone, just you now. And now that's a big part of my scarcity mentality, but there are other ways that this affects people in business, in community, in relationships. Stephen Covey explains it well in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He says the scarcity mentality is the zero-sum paradigm of life. People with a scarcity mentality have a very difficult time sharing recognition and credit or power or, he says, profit, like resources, even with those who help them gain those things. They also have a hard time being genuinely happy for the successes of other people, even, and sometimes especially, members of their own family or close friends and associates. Yeah, see, you can see how this starts to speak into church life, community life, our families. He goes on, he says, it's almost if something's being taken from them when someone else receives special recognition or has a big windfall gain or has remarkable success or achievement. And although they may verbally express happiness for others' success, inwardly, they're eating their hearts out. See, that's because their sense of worth comes from being compared and someone else's success to some degree kind of equals their failure to them. That, and that really is like a fear of man, right? Who's really the most glorious in our lives? He goes on, he goes, only so many people can be an A student. Only one person can be the number one in an organization or at the top of the totem pole or in charge. So to win simply means to beat, to beat beat out the other person. Hmm. It's difficult for people with a scarcity mentality to be members of a complementary team, he says. They look on differences that people have, like differences of opinion or different way of doing things, as signs of insubordination and disloyalty. I can remember one time when I worked at a very, very large church, that was exactly the case you kind of weren't on the same team. It was kind of like everybody in every department was sort of pitched against each other for the numbers moving up and to the right. And if you had different thoughts or opinions than, let's say, some of the senior leaders, which though I was one of them, but others that were more senior, um, they really saw it as almost as insubordination. And I remember too, if anybody ever left for a career change or like, you know, they were something that was more in line with their gifting or whatever, it was seen as disloyalty. It was like, oh, how could you ever, how could you leave us? Why are you, you know, that, see, that all flows actually out of a scarcity mentality. Now, Covey goes on, he says, the abundance mentality, on the other hand, flows out of a deep inner sense of personal worth. 
and security. Okay, underline that. <laughs> Listen to that. Abundance mentality flows out of a deep sense, a deep inner sense of personal worth and security. It's the paradigm that there's plenty out there and enough to spare for everybody. It results in sharing of prestige, of recognition, of profits, sharing in decision-making. It opens up possibilities, he says, and options and alternatives for creativity. Can you see how this speaks into leadership and community in our churches? Now, this is when I hear like this abundance mentality, I go, wow, that's what I want. And that's how our family generally operates. But I wonder how much of my scarcity mentality has come into my parenting or my leadership in churches and in community. Kobe goes on, he says, the abundance mentality takes personal joy, satisfaction and fulfillment, and it turns it outward, appreciating the uniqueness of others. It recognizes, it being abundance mentality, it recognizes the unlimited possibilities for positive growth and development, creating a, a new third alternative, he calls it. A new third alternative. And that really caught my eye, too. To me, that's really interesting, that third alternative or a third way of thinking. That article that I was quoting earlier by Dane Anthony says something so similar and powerful. He says, in time... He has gratefully come to know a third way. He's saying not scarcity or abundance, but this third way he calls sufficiency. The core of sufficiency is the recognition that we are enough. And he quotes St. Francis here as saying, I am who I am in the eyes of God, nothing more, nothing less. And he says, this has become for me a mantra of sufficiency. And I would say abundance too. That's, that's where our abundance flows from believing who God says we are. He says, I experience that as an invitation to humility and acceptance of who I am and an affirmation of the core of my being, my identity that flows from God himself, right? That's what I'm thinking. And this perspective feels really different, wholly different what he calls an expansive state. It's open, it's curious, it's vibrant and grateful. He goes on, in this expansive state, we can feel the freedom of sharing inner and outer resources without the deep fear that we'll be permanently diminished or depleted. Wow, wow. Oh, he says, it's an intentional choosing of the ways in which we see and think about our life, our gifts, and desires. So what is the ultimate thing behind the thing with this scarcity mentality? We're realizing it comes from fear and not having this deep sense of self-worth. Is there more? Is there more behind there? It does come from fear. And there is freedom in believing the truth. And as is always the case, in believing the truth about God. Let me remind you of one of the four G's that we've talked about a lot on the podcast. God is great so I don't have to be in control. Oh, that's good news. For those living with a scarcity mentality, how, do I, how am I going to get enough? Uh, with fill in the blank, not just money, but everything. God is great, so I don't have to be in control. Like waves on an ocean, his grace and provision never stops coming. It is new and fresh, wave after wave. He controls all things and owns all things, and he knows our needs before we do. And if you ever start 
to doubt his great care and provision for you, look to the cross. Look to the cross of Christ. God provided his best, his perfect son, Jesus, to meet our greatest need. There was no scarcity in that provision, only abundance, an abundance of provision and grace. When we truly believe that God is great, so we don't have to be in control, and because of his grace, we don't have to earn anything, our hearts and our minds start to shift. They start to shift from scarcity to abundance or sufficiency in him. Let's do a little comparing here. See, a scarcity mentality says, oh, look at all our debt and look at our deficits and look at our bills. But abundance says, well, look at all that we do have and all that we can do. That's what our focus becomes. A scarcity mentality says we focus on just getting by in the present. You know, we're just, we're paycheck to paycheck. We're just getting by and that's our focus. We're abundance. We joyfully look toward the future and to our God, who's a great provider. In scarcity, we compete for available resources, sort of that zero-sum game sort of mindset. But abundance in our hearts speaks to there's more than enough for everyone because God owns it all. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, <laughs> right, as Scripture says. Scarcity mentality gives us feelings of stress and anxiety, but with abundance, we have an inner sense of worth and security. We have a sense of worth because it flows right out of our image bearing, who God is, who he's created us to be, what's now true of us. With scarcity mentality, we feel like I need to make sure I look good if I'm to succeed. But abundance mindset says if I succeed and you succeed, we all succeed and there'll be more for others. We can bless others through our success, through God flowing that through our lives. Here's another, here's another thought of difference between scarcity and abundance. Scarcity makes us reluctant to contribute and share information with others and resources and our time. But abundance opens us up to collaborating and sharing what we have and what others need to get ahead and see their needs met and grow and prosper. Scarcity makes me think I have all the answers where abundance shows me that I can be willing to learn from others, that others have things that I might need, and that might be how God is routing that into our lives. See, it's an openness, right? It is the third way. Scarcity promotes only self and do to be accomplishments. I gotta get ahead. If I do this, then I'll be that, then we'll have that. And if I have more, I can lock down the future. See, it's about me being in control. But abundance promotes others and their achievements too. You see, see the difference here in how these things feel? I want to go through some of those because you can kind of get a visceral sense. And not every one of those trips my heart trigger, but some of them do. And maybe some of them also tap on your own heart if you feel like you have any areas of living with a scarcity mentality. Here's a few practical things we can begin doing to lose the scarcity mentality and shift to a mindset of abundance. First, count your blessings. I know that's old school. But literally take out paper, sit down, make a list of all the things you do have in your life. Think about it. Think about all that. We all come into the world naked. We have nothing, zero. Think about all the things you have in your home, in your life, education, relationships, knowledge, wisdom, 
There's so much that we do have. Count your blessings. And that kind of goes hand in hand with number two, developing a habit of gratitude. Well, we count our blessings. I'm saying literally count them. But what about having a, developing a habit of gratitude? In our family and in, in our coaching cohorts with the people we coach, so I know some of you are hearing this, we always rehearse the evidence of grace and goodness in our lives. Start to practice that. Develop that as a habit. What do I mean by that? Rehearsing the evidence of grace is speaking it out loud. Hey, you know what? God's doing this in our life right now. This is amazing. Or, you know, in our discipleship, this is going on. That is God's unmerited favor. Or look at this provision or this raise at work. Or, you know, we heard back from the doctor and it's it's going to be okay. Or maybe it's not, but God's providing so we can Praise God, we have health care. Rehearsing the evidences of his grace and goodness in our life causes us to live with hope and expectancy, but it puts that hope and expectancy squarely back in God's hands. Really important to help us move from a scarcity mentality and start to shift to a mindset of abundance. Here's number three. Stop hanging out with negative people who complain a lot and live with and promote a scarcity mentality. You know who they are. They complain a lot. They, they're always lacking. They're always bummed. It's always someone else's fault. They don't live very, you know, generously or any of that. You can see them. They're stingy tippers. Okay. Surround yourself with people that have an abundance mentality, that live generously, that look to see others succeed, that are open to new ideas, right? They're not just stuck in the past or doing ways, things the ways we've always done them. That's who we want to hang out with. If you're hanging out with people that are just negative and have a scarcity mentality, that will only feed yours. Here's another one. Number four, avoid activities that trigger a feeling of scarcity. So if scrolling through Instagram or Facebook or Pinterest photos of stunning vacations and rock hard toned bodies or delicious home cooked meals, if any of that provokes feelings of inadequacy or lack, well, stay away from that. Maybe get off that platform or change your feed, you know, curate who you're following with more encouraging accounts and people. (laughs) How about that? Don't trigger this constant thing. Think about marketing at its core is to show a lack to us that we have to fulfill. It's to show us that we have scarcity in this area of our life. I'm not enough. You're not enough. You're not this enough. You're not that enough. You don't have enough of this. You want more of that. Lose that. Like don't don't participate in that. Get rid of that if that's what it takes. I can remember years ago, uh, there was something God was working out of my heart. It wasn't this scarcity mentality. Well, I'll tell you what, it was, a, it was like a, just kind of a sort of a critical spirit. Like I was just too critical about everything. And God said, well, you watch this show and that show, and that's all about just them picking each other apart and being really critical. And no, it's funny, but it's only feeding that. And so I'm going to ask you not to watch that. And so I didn't watch that show for years and years and years. And you know what? It helped. (laughs) It did. It changed things. Now, I've been since been able to watch it here and there, but I still kind of see it that way. So I, I don't really just gorge on it. Now, here's number five, and this is really the biggest one of all. Kind of already talked a little bit about this. Meditate on the reality that God is great so we don't have to be in control. Think, think deeply about the reality, the truth that God is the most glorious one in the universe And he loves you completely. So you don't have to fear what other less glorious people think of you. 
Believe that God is good. So you don't have to look elsewhere for needs and satisfaction. And, and God is gracious. So we never have to beg or try and prove ourselves to him or others in order to receive the things we need in life. Meditate on those. You probably recognize those as the four G's. You can find whole episodes we've done of the podcast just going deep into those four G's. And I did the whole Advent series back in December on the four G's. But do you see how it speaks into this idea of trying to move from a scarcity mentality to a mindset of abundance? Who God is speaks directly to who we believe ourselves to be and where we find our worth. And that's, that's where all this whole scarcity mentality, that's where the root of it is. And also where the, the fix is, where the hope and the change and the release and the freedom is found. I've heard it said that abundance is not something we acquire. It's something we tune into. <laughs> That's so good, right? Our God is a great and abundant and generous father. And he owns it all. And it's there, even if we haven't seen it yet. Abundance isn't something we have to acquire. We just have to tune into it. Maybe that's called faith. I want to live out of an abundance mentality. I want to live generously with others in light of God's generosity and provision. That's how I want to live. I want that to be my heart and my perspective, the glasses I wear. I want to live as a conduit of his endless grace. I don't want to live like a barrel. You know what I mean by this? A conduit is like a pipe. It's something that water or electricity or any other supply is routed through from one place to another. A barrel is for storing up resources, for holding on to them for later use. God is looking for conduits of his grace and generosity. He's not looking for barrels to store these things in. So coveting our things and acting as if we're our own source of provision for income or supply, money, time, and so on. All that shows that our hearts are not at a peace. We live, we're still living with fear. We're not ultimately trusting God for these things. We hang on to our stuff or we constantly focus on what we don't have because we believe everything's in short supply. Which do you most often represent? A conduit or a barrel? Whenever my wife, Tina, and I have prayed about giving a certain amount of money to someone or trying to meet some need, we've either usually ended up with the exact same number comes to mind or Tina has come up with a number much bigger than mine. But she has never once thought about giving less than I was prepared to give in a situation. Her heart of generosity and abundance has helped remind me over and over again that she sees God as a great and generous God able to refill the barrel if we'll but trust him and pour it out for others. So go ahead and tip over that barrel. There's more where that came from. I hope that's helpful. I hope you'll think deeply about some of these things. There is freedom in this. Now, as always, I want to give you three big takeaways from today's talk, from, from our topic today. You don't want to miss these, if nothing else. And you can get this as a printable PDF if you want these three for like talking points or to share with others. You can get this as a printable PDF just by going to everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three, B-I-G, the number three, and boom, then you can download it. Here are the big three for this week. First, a scarcity mentality comes from fear, not from our current level of resources. Scarcity is the fear that I'm not enough. 
I won't ever be enough. And even when we perceive abundance in our resources, that starts to get twisted by fear too. We think I have more than I need, but I might lose it. So I need to hold on to it or get more. All of this flows from not believing the truth that my father, God is our perfect and constant provision. And I don't have to impress him or try to prove myself or earn anything from him. He loves me. He loves you. That's where, that's, that's the core of all this scarcity mentality and moving to abundance. Number two, an abundance mentality flows out of a deep inner sense of personal worth and security. Remember, you were created in the image of our perfect father, God, who loves you. And it's out of his endless supply and wealth that we can live in the reality that there's plenty and there's more than enough to share with others. This is true of money and time, of prestige, of recognition, of resources, of decision-making. God is great, so you don't have to control all those things. Let this truth open possibilities, creativity, and freedom in your life. And number three, to strengthen your abundance mindset, go back, listen to those five sort of practices you might want to start doing or stop doing, and grab a pen and paper and ask yourself these questions. What areas in my life do I allow scarcity mentality thinking to dominate? How can I shift those thoughts to an abundance mindset? Where in my life am I already abundant? And where is God wanting to bring more abundance into my life? Will you let him? Like I said, go ahead, tip over that barrel. (laughs) Yeah, God's just waiting to bless us. And I think... Because of his great love and his great provision and his great generosity, I bet it just breaks his heart when we live with a scarcity mentality. I know just the preparation for this episode and to think through this deeply and even sharing some stuff that I've never really talked to with others too much about, it's really releasing me in new ways, in fresh ways, and reminding me of things that maybe I learned and tend to forget. Okay, well, that's it for today. I really love being with you and I hope this has been helpful. Please share this with someone else that you love and care about. Share this with the people in your community because remember, we're, we're looking to have relational peace with others. That's what Jesus wants for us and freedom. Now join me next week. I'll be talking about whether or not your missional community should be neighborhood-based or more network-based. Meaning, should you build missional community when everybody lives real close around you? Or is it okay to have one that's networked and it's different people in your life, but maybe they don't live very close and they're they're spread out some more? That'll be an interesting discussion. You won't want to miss it. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on this show and to get loads of free discipleship resources, visit everydaydisciple.com. And remember, you really can live with the spiritual freedom and relational peace that Jesus promised every day.